Before we start the show, I want to thank the thousands of you, the thousands who have read This Book Will Make You Dangerous. Many of you have told me that the book's unique way of exploring fear, confidence, and purpose has had a lasting impact, that it's much easier for you to get clarity and direction about what really matters and what you want to do in this lifetime. It's also amazing to hear that quite a few of you have read it multiple times and even bought copies for friends, so thank you again. Just in case you weren't aware, I created a free companion video course for the book. And in these videos, I walk you through the big takeaways and practices from each chapter. And I even cover some extra stuff that's not included in the book. Information on how to access the course is in newer versions of the book. And if you own an older version of the book and you don't know how to access the course, just hit me up via the contact form at triplinear.com and we'll get you all set up. And one last thing, if you're one of the thousands who have already read the book, please consider leaving an honest review on Amazon so that others can decide if it's right for them. Again, thank you so much for reading. This book will make you dangerous. And now let's start the show. You are listening to the new man beyond the macho jerk and the new age wimp. Your host is men's coach, Trip Lemire. What does it mean to be a warrior in your life? Do your insecurities distract you or keep you stuck in stupid pissing matches? And is it possible to train ourselves so that we can become calm in hell? If you're even remotely familiar with the world of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, then you know that Hickson Gracie is nothing short of a legend. But beyond the mats, Hickson's wisdom runs deep and he has so much to offer for those of us who don't consider ourselves to be fighters. He has a new book called Breathe, A Life in Flow, and it's a fantastic read, not only because his life story is so interesting, but also because it provides insights into what it means to be a spiritual warrior during these modern times. Hickson was never beaten as a professional fighter, but he has experienced great loss. In a time when so many guys are puffing themselves up or numbing themselves in order to escape their inner struggles, Hickson very openly talks about the beating he took and the darkness he experienced after his son died. Most importantly, he discusses how he was reborn and even thankful for the loss. I loved talking with Hickson and felt we could have gone on for hours. It's always great to connect with those rare few men who have such great strength and a huge heart as well. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Let's dive in. Many people will know exactly who you are, but let's pretend for a moment that we don't know who Hickson Gracie is. Let's, let's pretend that we don't know who this person is that has spent so much time on the mats, in the ring. For so, for so many people, when they see you know, what generally gets shown on, a, on the screen on the bar, we see these MMA fights, we see UFC stuff, we see guys just getting the shit beat out of them, there's blood, there's all of this stuff. We might just think of it, well, that's just entertainment. That's just this violent form of entertainment. And I'm curious... You know, I, I understand you were pretty clear in the book that that's not necessarily your approach to martial arts and to this way of life. But what are we missing? What, what are we missing when we tend to deny what it means to be a fighter, to be a warrior these days? Yeah, first of all, when I born in the Gracie family, I was naturally involved with a martial arts legacy, which, which brings to the table uh, a way of living, a lifestyle. It's not exactly a sport. It's not exactly something for you to do to entertain others. It's not like being a star or a, or a, or an artist. It's based on lifestyle to build up your character and to pretty much serve with that kind of quality other people in the community to to enhance their possibilities, their potentials in order to to deal with life because. If you're talking about a, a, a fight on the mat, on the ring, if you're talking about a challenge to buy a car or to get a girlfriend or to, or, or, or an obstacle or an issue who, who brings uh, some kind of turmoil in your head. So all those situations can be unpredictable, sometimes predictable, but they all come in and hit you as a, as a warfare situation. Because it's not about being in a fight. 
is about how to handle situations. For example, today the enemy can, can come in through the email. And that email can just jeopardize your attitude, your, 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 your sense of balance, disturb, suicidal thought. Anything can come, can come in from a, some, just a regular email. So COVID-19 is, is an enemy, which is a silent enemy, but we have to respect this as a warfare situation. We, we have to have a strategy. We have to have sometimes courage. You have to have sometimes patience, hope. All those visible and invisible tools, I feel like they are completely important in the arsenal of the warrior, either a spiritual warrior or practical warrior. So being a Gracie, being in a mission to, to represent the family, to express an art form which brings not only confidence, but also the sense of empowerment, the sense of uh, the, the increase of possibilities for a weaker guy have a chance against a bigger guy. For a guy who has a trouble, has a chance to resolve the trouble. So the, the jiu-jitsu brings elements to, to apply on the physicality of the confrontation, on the emotional aspect of the confrontation, and also on the spiritual aspect of the confrontation. Because when I was preparing myself, I mean, I born and raised in the, with a gi, right? I get my gi before my diapers. So I was just involved on that kind of situation all my life. And since I'm very little, people already say, oh, little champion, you're going to be like your father. Oh, you're great. So you become a jiu-jitsu representative even before you know what you are about. You, you become a Gracie, you become a hope to become a Gracie like your father, like your ankles, like your cousins. So you're in a mission to, to represent the family. And that mission requires the, 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 the physical abilities, emotional and spiritual. One time I asked my father, I was 13 years old and started to help my brother to teach as a guinea pig, you know, just my brother, my older brother say, lay down. And then he put the student to mount on me or to do positions. And I play like a, a dummy for them to exercise. So I was there helping my brother. And the end of the class, I get a little tip to buy ice creams or tanks. So I'm happy on that. And I, I like, I ask my dad, say, dad, I'm start to teaching now what I can do to become a great teacher. He said to me, if you want to be a good teacher, you learn the positions, you learn the arm lock, you learn the escape from the UPA, you learn escape from this or that. Make sure you do the perfect techniques and pass through with your knowledge the techniques for the student, and you're going to be a good instructor. But if you want to be an excellent instructor, you have to pretty much understand what the student needs to learn before you teach. So that's give me a... a I interested also in, not only in jiu-jitsu, but also in psychology, because you have to understand if the guy is insecure. You have to understand if the guy stands, if he is afraid, or if he's lazy, or if he's uh impaired for any situation. So based on that circumstance, that's personal circumstance, I will approach the guy with either pushing him up to just encourage his abilities to be more aggressive or just calm him down if he's too aggressive too ex so based on the personal interaction i will be helpful and the deepest layer of my knowledge not only to fulfill him with the needs of getting technical aspects but also to give him the mindset he, he needs to balance he, the, the existent elements he has if he's excited and tense he needs to calm down if he's too lazy and, and, and passive and let opportunities pass, he has to be more sharp in terms of catching the, those opportunities and be more sharp on and, and responding the actions and, and be more completely connected with the response. So in many different cases, jiu-jitsu can have a different approach. Jiu-jitsu can have a different elements of supporting the individual, giving them more self-confidence. And, and my personal preparation to become a jiu-jitsu representative different than the modern days we are open to to confront anyone anytime 
no matter the rules, no matter the weight divisions, no matter the time limits. So it was very unpredictable. And in order for me to cope with that kind of irrational possibilities, I have to prepare myself not only with the things I feel like I have to train, I have to exercise, I have to get a good nutrition, not only the physical and mental approach, but also in the emotional level, I have to become more sharp, especially in the spiritual level in terms of surrendering, accepting even death, giving some kind of spiritual support for my soul in terms of being calm in hell. So all those situations are pretty much preparing myself to be comfortable in hell and accepting the, 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 the reality in a very calm way, in a very honest way. And that way, I'm able to also help people, for them to find peace in what I feel like the most unpredictable situation. So jiu-jitsu is an is a art form who give you the sense of know yourself better, know your angles, know your leverage, know your invisible power, know how to breathe better. And all those circumstances increase your chances to, to handle life, to be, to be able to strategize the, the, the graduation or the buying a car or getting a new job or, or creating a situation of solution in your corporation or so. So in any level, the ideas of being a skilled martial arts give you the sense of being comfortable to approach not only your physicality, but your, so your emotional, your intelligence, your strategy, but also your spiritual circumstance, which sometimes just be patient, just to have hope in your heart is already the solution for a big situation, you know? So I, I love that you, how you tied that together because, you know, when I was younger, fights were usually rooted in insecurity, right? Any of those types of things that were young men, testosterone, insecurity. Yes. You called me a name. I'm going to call you bang, bang, bang. We're down on the ground. Like what, whatever's happening there. And wouldn't normally think of fighting to be tied to spirituality. But what you're, what you're showing here is that this is a path to actually finding our deeper, truer selves beyond the part of us that has something to prove. Is that, is that essentially what you're pointing to? Yes, I feel like... We, we are facing warfare situations, scenarios, in, in, in every aspect of life. Because I feel like in order for you to conquer happiness, happiness doesn't sit on your lab by luck. And happiness is not stagnant. So what makes you happy today is not going to be exactly the same thing to make you happy 10 years from now. You're going to have a little adjustments, a little better approach, a little better, more money, whatever it is. It's always something you have to be aware, to be focused, to, to get the ideas of evolutionary process. Whatever it is, needs a strategy, needs patience, needs hope, needs focus, needs sharpness, needs techniques, needs leverage. A lot of concepts which are in martial arts, period. Let's come back to this idea of surrender. You, you, you touched on it a little while ago. You know, so many of the people that I work with, they only know how to grind. They only know how to push. They only know that one part of the yin-yang, which is push, 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 push. And it makes us weak, right, when we don't know how to recover. But even as I was reading through the book, you integrated that receptivity, that ability to listen, to pay attention to your opponent, to know that when they were in this position, that that was when you were going to fit in. You didn't just try to meet them if they were a striker. You didn't try to be to outstrike them necessarily. And I, I find this rather challenging to get across to some of us when we, we, we really can't grasp. For, for some of us, we can't grasp that there's another way to have greater power instead of force, 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 push, 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 grind, grind, grind. And I'm wondering if you have a way that you teach this because it comes from a very wise place. It, it, it challenges us to rethink how we go about creating or how we go about warfare, as you say. Yes, I definitely know exactly what you're saying because like I said, my preparation different than for example, a UFC champion today. He's preparing himself for a battle in an environment which is three rounds, five, three rounds, five minutes each. And then the weight division is all the other important matters, which 
they kind of keep the same category of weight. They have the time limits and they have the rules, which you cannot do this, you cannot do that. So based on this, this is not a martial arts anymore. This is a, a entertainment. This is a very tough brawl. This is a tough engagement. Very hard, very, a lot of contact, bloody and violent, but becomes less martial arts, more a sport, a dramatic, tough entertainment sport. When I prepare myself in my life, in my career, I was not having the time limits. I was not having the weight division. I was not having cups or mount pieces. I has no rules on the match. Sometimes the guy, why well, I want to engage that rule or that. So any rule we find because we representing an art form. We're not representing a, a sport like activity. So I was willing to fight bigger guys with gi, with no gi, with, you know, any kind of confrontation with punches or so anything is going when when you open your mind with that kind of unpredictability you start to having to add in your tools in your arsenal not only the physical the talent the practice because all this can be subjective sometimes you need patience you don't see people patient in the UFC today But if you see a fighter with 180 pounds deal with somebody with 260 pounds, that kind of difference demands for the weaker one a different approach. You're not going to kick to just pushing forward. You go there to see what's up. And you go there to see if you make a mistake, I can be aggressive. But if you come in aggressive, I have to be patient and be defensive as long as it takes. My father once in his time, fought for three hours and 45 minutes. Don't stop with a guy which was about 40, 80 pounds heavier than him. Wow. How much physical or going forward you can go in order to handle a situation like that? It has to be soft. It has to be intelligent. It has to be patient. It has to be articulate. It has to be technical. And, and winning the fight based on your mistakes, not winning the fight because I'm imposing, I'm pushing forward, I'm trying to be. So martial arts give you the sense of being comfortable in hell, regardless if you're in a fight or if you're in a business meeting, because make you feel like the best options are victory, but the, the victory can come in based on only defense. You see Vietnam, for example. They don't have weaponry. They don't have armies. They just have a, a, a people who cannot leave their own country. They, can, they cannot die, so they survive under the under the under the the, the, the land and holes and stuff. And they patience and they have courage and they have will. But the only thing they don't have is capacity to push forward. And they still winning the war because you know it's just too demanding for U.S. keeping the war over there. So. How you can win a, 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 a war like that if you have no, no money to get one bullet or you have no arsenal to get a shoes? So you have to be patient. You have to be hopeful. You have to have faith. You have to have different elements. And eventually you're going to win because it's just the right strategy to do. So when we're planning about life, no matter if you're a fighter, no matter if you're a lawyer, no matter if you're a doctor, You're going to find your obstacles. You're going to find your problems. And it's very much right, reasonable and intelligent and on purpose. The fact you, you have to make ponderations in, not, in all your arsenals, not only courage, not only pushing forward, not only money or, 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 or desire or motivation, but also the capacity to surrender, the capacity to accept, the capacity to, to be spiritually connected with the elements and sometimes make your victory without a fight. What does that look like? How do you achieve your victory without a fight? You picture any fight situation. Somebody coming and said, hey, this is my parking spot. Get out of here. I just saw the parking spot first. Maybe 
30 years ago, I would say, hey, man, I put my car here. I'm going to stay here and I don't care because I don't care how big you are. I'm going to stay. So let's fight. Let's call the police. Let's just impose that. Today, I would say, I'm sorry, sir. You can keep the, I, I'm not too hurry. I can, I make, okay, so you can keep it. So he may think I'm a coward. He may think I'm scared of him. He may think whatever he can think. For me, was not exactly the same approach. For me, apologizing sometimes take me from the problem to have to beat somebody, to have to be involved with jail time, to have to be in the police uh, department to, to respond some kind of... So for me, letting go is part of my victory. That's personal. Mm -hmm. I feel like I pay today to don't fight, to don't get in, in any engagement with nobody, you know, because it's not worth it. Yeah. I, I wonder how much that, that piece of proving shows up. There's that, that young part of it. It typically shows up in young, but I'm, you know, in my late forties and I can still feel that part. That's like, but you got to prove, you know, you got to prove you're not weak. You got to prove that you're still this and you're not that or all of that kind of stuff. It's a shadow element. Yeah. I cannot, I can relate and I can understand, but if you picture because that's all about your mindset. If you picture yourself as you are right now and a kid with five years old coming and tell you things you don't like to hear, you're going to look at the kid and they're going to tell you something really serious and really mean or really, really hurt you. You're going to look at the kid and say, who is the father of this kid? Somebody can take this kid and put him to give him food for him or you know he's trying to hurt you, but he's not bringing any challenge for you. So you're not trying to fight the kid or beat the kid or being secure because the kid tell you something. But in the same words, in the other people's mouth, somebody like me or somebody like, like you, you're going to feel threatened. You're going to feel like insecure. You call me a coward. I'm not, I have to prove you wrong. So based on your insecure state of mind, you can become aggressive because what brings violence to the table is the sense of insecure state of mind. If I'm secure, if the same guy who call you something and you're thinking about prove you wrong, but if you better prepare, you're going to have two more inches of patience, two more inches of hope, two more inches of forgiveness or acceptance. In my case, I have nothing to prove. I feel like my reality becomes comfortable without a fight. I don't have to fight to prove myself. I have to create a, uh, angles and arguments to take me out of the fight. And then I'm really a winner because I prove my point. I apologize. So one time I was, as a very interesting, I was leaving the, the academy with my brother Hoyler in Rio de Janeiro traffic jams and confusion everywhere. And uh, I, I make a mistake and I cut off a taxi driver, you know, by mistake. And he horn on me. Bah, 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 bah. And eventually he got together on the traffic on my side again. And he called me names. You mother this and that and that. Blah, 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 blah. And immediately I looked at the guy and said, I'm sorry, brother. It's not going to happen again. Okay. Have a good day, brother. I'm sorry. And my brother, Hoyler, which is younger than me and Skinner, and because he's smaller and skinnier, he always has the, 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 the necessity to prove himself. After I said this to the taxi driver, he came to me and said, you crazy? The guy call you names and you forgive the guy and let him go? I said, Hoyler, we're going to surf now. You know, we have our surfboards. We're going to the beach. We're going to have fun. You think I'm going to stop the car after training for hours with tough guys? I'm going to come and beat this guy who is just a bald, fat out of shape, stress off, tax driver, just to make myself, I have to beat the guy. You crazy. And he look at me and he say nothing. And then up today, he said, one of the most important things he saw me do, it was that kind of forgiveness. He said, it's changed my life because I, I saw the possibilities for me to be able to forgive other people and to be able to, don't have to prove myself every time somebody call me a name. And that's changed my life, Hickson. I said, oh, glad to know that. But that's pretty much a, 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 a way for you to build up your, your mindset. So for me, as a way for me to win without a fight, 
is to be able to strategize better my life, to anticipate the problems, to really avoid the situations who can pull me to have to prove myself. It's so powerful. It seems like this is where the spiritual component comes in because yes. where are we taking our seat? Am I on my small self, right? That scared, insecure part, or do I or do I train myself and galvanize myself and take my seat in that big self, that big part of me? I've got a bigger uh, like you said, I can see the difference between <laughs> I'm going to go surf now versus my main thing right now is to make sure I put this taxi driver in his place, right? I've got a bigger yeah. vision for what I want in my life and I stay true to that instead of getting distracted, pulled off course. Yes, because those distractions, they come from a weak, unstable situation, you know. Depends how much forgiveness, how much acceptance, how much comfortable in your position you are to know those things are, are not related to you. The guy, he has a problem. He's the aggressive guy. He has the turmoils in his mind. Why are I going to have to go down to his level I don't have to prove. I, I'm confident spiritually. I have my mission, my service, my love, my passions, my, my intuition to, to drive me to the direction I want to go. And I don't want to let occasions or situations or people change my direction just because they need somebody to fight with. Yeah. Or they, they have a problem to share with me. I don't give a problem. I don't give a damn about their problems and and, you know, I'm just going in my cruise mind to either to my family, to my relationships, to my job, to my financial life. I have my goals. I have my... And if somebody coming just in a traffic jam and start to call me names or try to create a, a fake email or a bad news for me, I'm not going to see that as I have to pay back. I have to give this a response they need because so much hate, so much problems coming for, I cannot fill myself with problems and hate to give back. I said, man, if, if people will trust on this thing, let them trust. So no matter what people say against, against me on the social media, I will have to be calm enough to accept that accusation and say, Hey man, that guy's just crazy. And allowed myself to be, you know, breathing another time and, and be calm because if you have the, the capacity to control yourself, you just focus and things are relevant to you. Yeah. If, you if you distract with anything, somebody says something and you have to be, oh, what he said is about me. But why? I don't look good. I feel bad. I'm a mean guy. So you start to become comfortable, uncomfortable with what people say about you, about people try to, to, to be aggressive with. Not because you feel bad, but because people make you feel bad. So you have to feel protected with a shield of positiveness, with hopes, blessings, and, and, and courage to keep serving and keep doing your job in your way without that, those kind of superficial disturbances. There was a part in your book, well, I, I'll just be direct here. I, I, you know, years ago I lost my mom and I went through a very difficult time with grief. And yes. when I read about the loss of your son and specifically how the grief hit you, I was so grateful that you were, you, you really seemed to show how much like for the time that it hit you and you yes. were willing to, it would have been, you could have easily brushed it off and said, yes, it was a very difficult time, but you, you were willing to show how much you were impacted by that loss. And again, it showed me this ability to take the hit and, and then get back up to be pushed over by the big wave, to be ragdolled and then come back to the surface and take a breath. And uh, I, I'm curious how much of your training this, you know, it's one thing to say we can be comfortable in hell, but what was to be able to translate that to these emotional places, these emotional hells, whether it's divorce, it's the loss of a loved one, it's the loss of, you know, this identity. Maybe we're going through a difficult time and we're changed businesses or lost a business or something after COVID. I'm curious if you could speak to that, how your training may have impacted you when it, when it came to, the, to dealing with the loss of your son. Yes, the first, the first important element who comes to my, to my attention was the sadness of a loss. You know, I, I just accustomed to have somebody close to you, to share ideas, to share love moments. And that's not there anymore. And I felt like lose the ability to 
to breathe well, to, to, to walk well, to surf. So I lost my, the meaning of my happiness because at the, up to that point, I felt like I was in control of the universe. I have good kids, beautiful family. I have a job. I have fans. I have students. I have attention. I have, you know. So for me, everything, I was in charge. I was in charge of the time. I was in charge. So when I lost my son, I felt like the carpet just left out of my feet. I stay like without a base, without position. And I felt I could not just, because a lot of people, when they have something tragic happens, the first thing they feel like is the commitment to, to not scare others, to not involve others. So it's, no, I'm okay. I, okay, thank you. You know, and, and God knows what he does. Or, or he starts to bring in situations where they accept the situation where emotions are, can be hide. I cannot show people I'm desperate. I cannot show people I'm weak. So when you start to kind of putting a cover up to, to not allow yourself to really show your weakness, your, 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 and you start to try to hide a little bit. Of course you felt, but you start to, okay. I, I, and, and you start to keep working or you start to keep doing things. And you're going to feel like more you hide, more the, the wound stay bleeding. And sometimes you even don't talk about it. But the wound is there because you never really leave the, 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 the reality of the loss. You never incorporate in your heart, in your soul, in your brain, the losing aspect, the impotent aspect, the feeling of don't have power or nothing can change. So that's terrible for the human behavior because you have no, no, no power. Hmm. And the first thing I had to do was just accept that putting myself, embracing a big rock and jumping in the middle of the deep lake and stay on the deepest point of the lake, crying, having no motivation to serve, no motivation to share emotions with nobody. Just like a child, you know, stay on the hillside of my house, on the trees and the tree and, and stay like, listen to the ocean. And so I was just without energy, without vital energy to be myself, to teach jiu-jitsu, to learn, to, to interact with people. I was just in a cave, you know, in a hole, which feels like very little air to breathe and very uncomfortable. And I was not afraid to show people I was like that. You know, I was quietly crying basically all the time. Mm. And, and up to that point, I was lost, have no direction. But I felt like I could not hide. I could not keep up with my students, keep up with my surfing, and, and, and keep that kind of sense of loss in a bag. I have to embrace the loss and make the loss the main event of my life. And then thinking about suicide, thinking about drugs or, or, or excuses to be out of jiu-jitsu, things. You can, think, you can allow yourself to think about any options because you're really free and down enough to, to accept even death. And as I was then that point, uncomfortable situation and waiting because I was patiently waiting for some kind of news, some kind of change because I was not inspired to change. So based on that kind of death, one day I was in my, in my garden, I, I climbed a tree, a pine tree, and I saw the ocean in a very unique way. And I said, I want to build a platform here to, to talk with Chrome, to, with Hoxham. And, uh, and I built during almost three weeks from first light in the morning to, to dawn. I was just thinking about buying the ropes, buying the harness, buying the wood, working with the tree and stuff. So I was focused on from the first light to night, just, you know, bleeding my hands, so much work. And eventually I finished this platform with a very nice finish, varnish, and, and it was beautiful up there. I put his picture and I was going there to, to talk to him and to, to feel the breeze every day, meditating and stay there. And then at one point, 
I was not exactly cured, I was not exactly healed, but I was diminishing the, 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 the bad feelings, the, the negativity in my heart. And I, I thought about my father and something he said what about, it was about nothing can be completely wrong or bad. It's always a side of rightness or good. Nothing can be totally right or good. It's always a little slightly the negativity or bad. So I start to thinking and searching in my mind what could be good from Hoxon's departure. And I was thinking in reasons for me to, to, to capitalize somehow in a positive way. And then I realized up to Hoxon's departure, like I said, I was in charge of my time, my desires. I could go to Japan today. I'm not sure if I'm going to come back next week or come back in a month. So everything was open and flow. And I was uh, allowing myself to, to, to go and, and, and surf my life as a very good conditions. But Hoxon's departure proved me tomorrow may never happen. And the fact that tomorrow may never happen put me in a different perspective of being more aware of today. If something happened, if I was, for example, up to that point, I'm going surf, Hoxon coming to me or my daughter coming, dad, I like to talk to you. I said, okay, now I go surf. We're talking when I come back, okay? Six o'clock, I'm back. See you later, bye. Today, I mean, after this kind of vision, if I was going to the airport for a trip to Japan, for a seminar or a fight, whatever it is, and then my daughter called me, Dad, I'd like to talk to you. She seems like she's crying. I will stop in the freeway, talk to her as long as it takes, putting all my energy, my vibrations to make sure I will give you all my service, my love, my compassion, my advice, my whatever it needs for me to be helpful at my best. And then I will turn off the phone and then I will see if I'm still able to get the flight if I'm still able to go to Japan, if I have to cancel, whatever has to happen, I'm not going to disturb the importance of today's. So with that mind clear of, that clear mind of how important for me is tied up, tied up my knots and make my time more efficient. I don't waste time anymore. So today I'm very thankful for Hoxon's departure because he gave me a sense of, tied up the knots and be more effective on my day. So I've been wasting zero of my day. Our conversation today, I'm, I'm taking as very serious, 100% of positiveness and, and, and feel like my pleasure is to be here. Nothing can be better than this now. And I'm going to resolve what I'm going to do next when we finish. Because at this point, you is the most important thing for my service, for me. So the importance I do for this moment, I will do for the moment just after you and go and take my life in a very much highest, sophisticated level of quality. Because for me, if it's not worth it, I not even think. You know, it's, it's not about trying or, or let's, let's do. So for me, I, I just do things today which are very much 100% in my mind going to be profitable, going to be something right, going to be a good service, going to be appreciated, going to have, if, if it's just halfway, it's not worth it, you know, it's just, mm. so the idea of bringing the reality of my life to my efforts and my, and my life, you have to be tight in terms of not wasting time, not being confused based on other people's expectations, you know. So for me, say no today is very easy. You ask me something I don't want to do, I'm not going to, oh, but let me see what I, I'm sorry, man, that's not going to happen. Boom, immediately. Mm-hmm. Or if you get in a conversation or if you engage in some kind of service and instead take 15 minutes, I take an hour, that's going to be exactly what we need to, to do the job. So I will feel pleased to spend 45 minutes extra to just make it happen. So my life becomes so much more tight, so much more objective so much more positive, so much more no gaps, you know, no, no, no loose ends. 
which I feel like I'm very thankful for his departure in a, in a tricky way because, you know, that's my son, my dear. I mean, I lost, but at least I lost and he gave me something. I can be thankful for him for the rest of my life. Wow. There's so much, so much in that uh, that you just shared. There was something that I want to touch on because I can imagine there's somebody out there listening right now that's going through a really, really tough time, and they can't imagine that whatever they're going through, they're going to be thankful for at some point. It's just unimaginable for them. And the thing that stuck out to me was that point of surrender that you spoke about, which was being quiet enough and attentive enough to find that glimmer. There was there was some peace, right? It was that for you, it was that moment when you were moved by the view from the tree and that you could pay attention to that there was a part of you that was stirring and said, you know, I want something now. I went from not wanting something to I want something. And I can imagine if I'm feeling so much pain, I just want to distract myself. I'm going to miss that. I'm going to miss that piece, that that little voice that says, here, go here. And that, that to me, that's where that was the little flame. You added fuel. That's how you built that that fire and you, you, you regained your strength and then were yes. able to take this next phase of your life in the way that you have where you've eliminated these distractions and you're so on point. Yes. I felt like it was a, a moment of light and, and, and intuition because when I finished the platform of my son, I felt like somehow I was relieved from the pain because I make like a, a, a monument. I make like a structure and putting all my effort to really give this to him in terms of a spiritual gift. It's like creating a church or a cross or right. whatever. So I felt, I felt something like I did this with all my heart, with all my labor to just show you how much I love. So I was a big, big part of the, the griefing was end on that point, mm-hmm. but I was still not quite getting myself free from the burden finally inspired to just give the same love to the other kids or to my, my, my students or my surf or whatever. Yeah. So, and, and I spent maybe six months to a year in this kind of middle term. And eventually I realized I could do better if I adapt my mindset. And then what I did something very interesting about the, the mindset is when you find yourself depressed, you know, when you find yourself in a, in a bad situation, you have to be honest with you, with, with yourself and, and, and put yourself not fighting, but accepting that that's real, but something which is very, 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 very important. And people don't realize is reality is mutant. Reality you play anything, you say anything which is real. You can change that based on your mindset. For example, we both live here, this, this, this podcast, and we go to a movie together or read a book together. After you see the movie, you said to me, Hickson, you like the movie? Man, this changed my life. Because the guy showed me this, is, I relate this because in, when my, I was a young, this, so you tell me something which relates to the movie and you, so you, you get inspired by the, the actions and that can change your life based on what you saw in the movie. What do you think about? I said, man, I didn't see the movie. I sleep the whole, the whole movie. <laughs> I was just, you know, tired. I didn't saw, but I, I like you like it. So the same movie could inspire you to change your life can be zero for me if I'm not putting the attention or if I don't have the same needs or requirements you have. Mm-hmm. So that means reality can shift directions. Mm-hmm. The things you are dependent today, by any chances you change because you don't like music anymore. Now you like to do surf or I want to learn how to go to Australia and live with the, the, the snakes. So whatever is in your mind is real for you. Whatever you take from your mind and put in a shelf becomes not real. It's just there waiting for. Yeah. So the reason I say that is because a lot of things 
are there to make you suffer because you're not capable to shift your reality. You're not you born mean? to suffer. You're not born to suffering. You're not happy by suffering. And then you fall in love with a girl who is just amazing for you. She do everything you love. She's do your food. She, she treat you good, massage. Eventually, she say for you, I want to leave. You have two ways to set this. Crying forever and be desperate and kill yourself or suicidal thoughts or desperate, the, the depression, anxiety, and, and never feel yourself connected with life anymore because you lost your, your loved one. Or you can say, yes, I lost my loved one. It was a beautiful tale. I love her there, but she don't want nothing with me anymore. So whatever I have to do now to accept that and to now try to still, without a limb, without a, my, my dear love, I have to keep living. I have to keep, you know, focus on my work, focus on my kid, focus on my car, focus on my whatever it is. I'm going to put my energy here because I love to, to train in jiu-jitsu. I love to, to drive cars. I love to whatever it is you love, you have to emphasize. You have to put a reality, say, okay, now I have to reset my mind. I cannot see like I lost all the time. What I'm going to gain from this? What's the good side of it? What's what I can put my attention on, what I can be strong again, how I can reinvent myself, reborn, how I can. So you immediately can start to put in perspective. I took five years to heal from my son, but somebody can take six months to, to heal from my job or from a relationship or from a, an accident. You know, I feel like the last thing I want is lost my legs. But I feel like if I lost my legs, I will start to put in more attention instead of guarding jiu-jitsu where I have to... I want to start to play piano. I want to start to see... I have so many things I have through my life. I love to, to play music. But I have no have time for that. I was training all day. So I can, I can inspire myself to do things, read books or be, be a good motivational speaker through the internet. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I have to create... Keeping my, my mindset open to new variants, to new options, to new opportunities to happiness, opportunities to love, opportunity. So, and that's, you create, because if you have a, a defective mind, is the one who kind of put you, oh man, I lost this, I go down, oh my God, what am I going to do? You know, and you see yourself as a, somebody who needs help. But if you start to see yourself, oh, have all the pain I can take it, but I'm not going to take medicine. I'm going to just breathe in my pain and eventually my pain going to heal. And when I my pain heal, I'm going to start to walk again. And eventually I'm going to run again. And I'm going to back to this and start playing soccer again. So you're able to reinvent yourself. No matter if it's in the same tale or if it's a new tale, you can redo, rewrite your life. All the possibilities are open. Are just closed for the ones who have closed mind, who has difficult to see the, the, the light, the window. They see the hole, they see the darkness, they see, and it's very much easy for, for somebody to live on the darkness. It's easier because requires less, requires just crying, just put yourself in a, vit, vit, victimize yourself. And then you're in the dark, you need help. And, uh, and why, poor guy. But if you start to see yourself like, man, I put myself in a hole, I will stay here without nobody notice. So I have to get, get out of the hole myself, you know, and, and, and brings you courage, positiveness, uh, risk, put yourself at risk again. And that's happiness. You know, if you live conform and, and not trying to move the, the water around you, you basically dying, you know, you're motionless. You just, trying to, to, to live based on the information you get, which hurt you five years ago. And you still, oh man, you remember me? I'm the guy who lost the son. Five, oh, that's terrible, you know? So you have to do your two, you have to do your way to really grow. It's a possibility to grow. It's a possibility to happiness. It's a possibility to, 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 to success. It's always there. You always can turn around. 
And it's up to you if you start to go in with the, the river current or if you start to running and swimming to cross the river and get to the other side, you know? So basically that's pretty much uh, inspiration who has to come in from within. You know, one of the things I'm taking away is so many of us, we're in a culture where we're just missing this thing. Once we get on that, once we get up on the pedestal, that's the answer to all of our questions. You know, that's where I'm finally going to be comfortable. That's where I'm going to finally feel safe. That's when I'm finally going to be somebody. And there's so much of, you know, I mean, people put you on a pedestal all day long, every day. And so much of what I'm taking away from here is it's about letting go of so many of that and coming back into this moment, working with what is, even if it's pain. Even if it's discomfort, even if it's I got to let go of needing to prove. Uh, it, it, I, I'm curious, <laughs> do you ever get to be just a normal guy or are people just always putting you on this pedestal? Uh, how do you deal with that, that, that kind of construct that so many of us are moving around? I feel like one of the blessings I have in my life was always feel myself in a, in a pattern, in a, in a direction of the pedestal. So I put myself very early with the, 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 the com compromise committed to excellence, to represent the sport, to be. So I, I start to work myself as a champion, as a fighter. But uh, also, based on the, the knowledge my father gave to me, based on my own intuitive capacity to relate myself with others, because when you're in the mat with other guys training, everybody training, they all dress in white. They all have a belt around their waist, but they don't have gold watches. They don't have, you know, cars. They don't have, I, you cannot tell who is the gardener, gardener or who is the boss, who is the, the, the entrepreneur. Everybody's saying. So you start to see people based on their emotions, their lack of control, their aggressiveness, their fear, their cowardness. Sometimes people get tired, they, they quit. No, I don't want to go anymore. Sometimes you see a young guy, a skinny guy, very courageous and getting pounded and pounded and never quits. So you can see personalities, you can see characters, you can see emotions in a very exposive way. Because you, you cannot hide yourself when you're on the mat. If you're a coward, you have to show. If you're violent, if you're aggressive, if you're stupid, if you have good manners... You, you show naturally because that's what you do when you express yourself. So with this in mind, I start to understand in a very early age, it's important for me to relate myself with others. Not based on, look at me, you see how I am? You have to respect me because I'm this and you nothing, so I'm the, the, the command. So I don't like to interact with people showing this kind of superior state of mind. Especially I'm coming from a very early age in that same... So I was always humble. I was always very much commu communicative with others and try to be responsive to the energies I felt. But something which gave me a very good gratitude, a good sense of, of empowerment, was being humble, was being hum humility, is a big part of my, my, my personality because, you know, I talk, I was walking on the street in Rio, for example, nine years old. I was on, on the beach by myself. I live in front of the beach. And then I met, I met a kid who's coming from the ghetto, very poor kid. And we start to play around, playing soccer, playing things, me and kid, very nice kid. We get together and get friendly. So, and then I get hungry. I get hungry, I go home, eat sandwich or eat something. And I felt like the kid has nothing to eat or nowhere to go. I said, let's go back to my house. Let's go to my house, eat something, and come back to the beach. So the kid went with me. When my mother saw him, she got his, she got his, a little scared. Like, what is this kid doing here? Because she falls like a, a street kid, you know, like no good clothes and stuff. So why you bring him her? I said, mom, I just bring. But I felt from my mother some kind of, judgment, some kind of analysis, which are not in my concept. I said, why, why is she so scared? Why is she so concerned about the kid? And then I realized 
people start to judge you by why you dress or how you look or how much you you squeeze their hands and time you so you become pretty much uh analytic based on what you see so i was always debating this in my mind because sometimes the the bad kid the the, the poor kid can be a very nice friend or very so i was educating myself to become very responsive very much connected in a positive way with anyone so i was not exactly who are you why are you studying you reach where you live and then we can be friends not like that you know so i was more based on my personality if i connect with the guy i don't care if you have choose if you don't have choose if he's a so i'm very humble in terms of looking for somebody i'm looking for what he has good to offer to me what he has there i can admire if i cannot relate with somebody he's not going to be my friend if he is i can relate with the guy he will be my friend regardless if he has shoes if he's a bad guy if he's a gang member or not so that's why i felt like is a big difference when you just see life trying to see through the person and and, and capture the energy because if you don't live by energetic forces you lost the intuition you lost the the sensibility i really a big believer in energy from the ocean energy from the sun energy from the the the, the hug energy from the spiritual energy from mind to mind from body to body you know it's people you relate with and you like to be with even though you're not the best friend some other guys are guys who live all your life and you see like for oh, i'm seeing this guy again and again but i can't stand his personality i can't stand his the way he see life so be aware of this kind of dimension which is not exactly touchable or visible but is a dimension which connect with the sensibility internal sensibility is is a very intuitive and a very positive thing for you to have around it's a good it's a good energy it's a good friend yeah i know we're i want to be mindful of our time here um you said something at the end of the book you know uh that, that you learned something about yourself or you learned some things about yourself and i'm curious what what you learned about yourself through the process of creating this book the experience i have in the beginning i was trying to prove myself testosterone ego and, and and being the best to prove myself i could be uh, honorable of my gang gang members friends and stuff so and one point is all about proving myself another point was to confirm i really good and start to serve people with knowledge and then in another point i felt like i was on top of my game having a lot of de- disciples and 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 disciples and 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 creating a clan creating a, a generating a, a good martial arts uh instruction and then i lost my son and then i really felt from the horse you know in terms of my spiritual strength to keep fighting to keep proving myself in that level and I immediately spiritualize myself more becomes more like sensitive to to people who lost things and be more capable to because during all this time i always dealing with pain with with physical pain on my back on my neck on my shoulders on my elbow pain is very comfortable for me i i, I deal with pain without taking medicines and stuff i i have to breathe into the pain and, and be comfortable and accept it so all this make me feel like getting to a a situation today which i really feel relevant for me not only myself but for the for the part of jiu jitsu i want to display is to learn jiu jitsu to win without a fight so it's going to be this aspects of learning how to visualize your life because visualization is part of the, the how to believe in your invisible power your angles your leverage to make sure you don't have to be strong to be able to handle a push to handle to block a punch to stay away from to be safe or survive from an aggression so i have to prove you you capable to survive that doesn't mean anything with prove you 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 capable to kill somebody so i want to make sure you're not going to get surprised by getting punched or getting caught in chokes so you become powerful in a sense 
you, you have a chance, you have a survival mode, you have to, tr you can trust. So put yourself connected with your powerful defensive aspect, give you an edge and how you make your strategies for life, how you approach your victories, your defeats, your challenges. So my jiu-jitsu now is more basic, but it's more profound to help people who are not fighters, to help people who are just in their own pattern to be happy as a doctor, as a police officers or whoever, lawyers. So I, I kind of create a new format of jiu-jitsu to cope with my reality today which I'm not a fighter anymore, but I'm still a martial artist. I still make good, good use of my brain, my heart, my lungs. Even though I don't want to fight, I'm still confident I can survive. So all this put me in a direction which my life becomes more, a better life, more, I'm more happy to, to keep serving the community with this new angle I feel like can be much more accessible for people than just for fighters. So I'm inspired to keep living my life, even though with more pain, even though with less mobility. I, I aspire to keep spreading jiu-jitsu in a bigger way and make this more like a empowerment force than actually a, a, a fighting sport. That's beautiful. Dixon, uh, thank you so much for taking this time to talk today. My pleasure, Trip. It's all mine, man. And, uh, and good luck. I'm really excited to get this book out there. I, I devoured it in two days sitting out. I was in the mountains last week, uh, sitting in a rocking chair. I just loved it. It was wonderful. So yeah. <laughs> so hope to see you soon, my brother and I God bless. That. Okay. Much love, man. Take it Bye -bye. easy. You too, my brother. Ciao. If these interviews are helping you, please leave a positive review on whatever podcast app you use so that others can discover the show more easily.